and the power of God is here to do great and mighty works. But anytime God moves, there also must be a response from the recipient. The motif throughout Scripture is this. Number one, God wanted them to tell him what they needed. Even blind Bartimaeus, as he is yelling, we know he's blind because he has a beggarly garment on that lets people know that he's blind. It's probably pretty obvious from the fact that he's not focused in. Suddenly, Lord, ask him, what do you want? It's not that God doesn't know. It's that, do you know what you want? Many times what we want and what we need are two different things. The man at the, at the, at the uh, gate called Beautiful, he's asking alms. Paul lets him know, I, I, don't, I don't have what you think you want, but I do have what you need. Such as I have, give I thee. So it is, it is the responsibility of the church to have what people need. See, the reason why we are salt and light is that we are, we illuminate the pathway and we cause people to thirst after righteousness. Now, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of salt. When you're, when you're fluffy and you have salt, it makes you feel fluffier. So I avoid it. I don't, I don't want to feel like I need to swallow another five pounds of, of water. But it, it causes people to thirst. The reason why people drink Gatorade, they think, oh, it, it, it hydrates me. It really doesn't. It just make, simply makes you drink more. And so, so it is with the church that we should cause those around us to begin to thirst for things that they don't even realize yet they need. Well, it, it is interestingly of this, there is a set of people they want America to be like Europe. And that is they want people to be able just to ask, to die. You realize in Europe you, you, you can go get a doctor to give you a shot and kill you? You realize that? Assisted suicide, medically assisted suicide? How many people knew that? We got a few. The rest of you, you need to read more. Um, I'll just... When you're nerd, when you're nerdy people, you just find weird things to. I, I like weird facts, and America is trying that right now to cause doctor-assisted suicide. But with that, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna have you sit down here in a second. I'm, I'm just trying to fill you out. With that, there are people in America that try to help other people to commit suicide, and one of the greatest ways is simply not drinking. They say well, if you don't if you don't drink, they say it's painful for the first two days, but by day number three, you no longer thirst. And they said once you get past that point, then it's easy to die. And the society we're living in is trying to cause the next generation to spiritually die. They are, they are trying to get us to the place where spirituality 
is negated and culturally accepted, mess is the norm. The catchphrase we hear today is social justice. The biggest misnomer that you can ever have because the moment society decides what is right and wrong, we've already missed the mark. Now, are we, are we live? Because you, you may, because I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be culturally appropriative today. So I don't know if you guys want to put this out there. I'm just going to say what I'm feeling though. Because, okay, because if, if you want me to be, what, what, what's, what's the term? What's the term when you make everybody happy? Yeah, if you want me to be politically correct, politics is the biggest bunch of garbage known to humanity. But that, that's a whole other thing in itself. If you have government, you need politics. I understand that. But still, we, we're, we're a mess. Because a few, few years ago, I think I'm already preaching. Okay, let's do this. Jesus wept. You may be seated. Because my, my wife is watching right now. She's already telling me, let them sit. She's sending me mental vibes. Let them sit. Let them sit. Let Pharaoh let God's people go. Uh, 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 and be, because, because today, we, within the realm, they started just recently, they started going, hey, everybody, love is love, accept everybody. Then they began to try to get into Scripture and convince Christians that, that even in Scripture, David and Jonathan's relationship was more than brotherly love. It was an intimate love. Then they try to, try to get in and just simply say, well, well, Christians, eh, God loves, and he does love everybody, but he doesn't accept everybody. I'm going somewhere. Just give me a second. So by, by the Obama administration, suddenly everything's accepted. And now the push is to allow pedophilia to be a, an accepted relational dynamic within the world. And so if we're not careful, we can lose a generation by allowing the traditions of society to become the norm within the church. John Wesley created what, what, what he called the, the Wesleyan Quadrilateral, which is simply to explain how that theology is formed. Now, the, these big words, simply this. Doctrine is what you believe. Theology is what you teach. So, so simply this. You, you, can have, you can have a doctrine. It can be wrong. He started out by saying it starts with Scripture, and yes, it does. Then he moves on, and he says the next way you know, and the next way you form a doctrine is by tradition. We, we'll pick that one up in a minute. The third one is by reason. We'll pick that one in, in by But the next one is experience. 
Sadly, you can have a bad experience that can mess your doctrine all up. Y'all getting quiet on me. Went to a church one time, and I'm going to preach to you because I, I know at least you like me. I, I went to a church one time, and, and I sat right about right about in this section here, and, and this is my first experience with, with a church, not this church, a church. And I, I go to the prayer room, come back, and somebody's moved all my stuff to the back of the church. And, and when I get to there, the lady looks at me, and she goes, well, that your stuff? Um, yeah, that's why I'm coming to your pew. This is my seat. You can sit next to me or you can sit in the back, but you ain't sitting in my chair. My experience wasn't very good. If we start creating our walk with God by reason, we're sadly mistaken because the Bible would say this, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that was a good acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, when you come to God, you got to change everything about the way you're thinking, about the way you're living, about how you're going to reason God. Come on, folks. We cannot use the thoughts in the ways of the world to somehow facilitate how we are going to have revival. we got to make up our mind. If we are going to have revival, i got to do it by the Word of God and in the way the Word of God says it. I want a book of Acts revival. I don't want a 2021 where everybody's accepted and nobody got to change. I want a move of God like they would say in Acts 18. They that have turned the world upside down come hither also. We need a revival in this end time that turns Shakota upside down. That turns Jafala upside down. That turns McAllister upside down. That, tur that turns your world and your city upside down. Sadly, we, we, we love tradition. Yeah, some traditions are good. But sadly, most traditions hinder us from moving into places that God wants us to be. Now, if you're if you're if you're if you're a guest if you're if you're a guest here, please don't judge Pastor by me because they always have the weird dude that comes in every once in a while. I'm the weird guy. Okay, so just just bear with it. If you don't like the way I preach, come back here, bro, here, brother Hanson. You're gonna love him. You're gonna love the people. Just go. There's always the weird one that they, somehow they can't get rid of. I'm the guy. Okay, so don't judge him me. I, I'm just going just going to preach like I feel. Because we, we can get the weirdest traditions. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but, but there is a pastor's wife somewhere within Oklahoma. Their tradition in their family over Christmas is this. They have a Tabasco drinking contest. They want to see who can drink most shots. That is the weirdest Dumbest tradition. I've, I don't like Tabasco. I've ever heard in my life. But that is a tradition. 
and we can make wrong traditions almost doctrinal. We get mad at one another because, because we're, 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 we don't accept someone's tradition. One of my professors, he, he was talking, or talking about marital issue and, and weird things that happen when people first get married. And, and a, a couple had come to him, and they were angry. She was angry with her husband because he questioned why she cut off the edges of the ham. This was almost a divorce. And then, and then the worst thing you could ever say, she's like, well, that's what my mama did. That's the worst thing you could ever do with it, within a marital argument. That's how my mama did it. He goes, that ain't how my mama did it. And now the fight is on. Finally, she called her mom. And she asked mom why she cut the ham. Mama started laughing. She said, well, she goes, I'd get so busy over the holidays, I would forget to buy a new pan. And when your dad would buy the ham, I, it wouldn't fit. So I had to cut the edges off. Is it okay? Something wrong? I told you I'm preaching to you. I mean, that's just, you're the only one smiling. The rest of them are looking like they're scared. And, and, she goes, and so I cut the ham so it would fit in there. And in her mind, this had become. A tradition that caused an argument within the marital confines. In the last 20, 30 years, society has marginalized and demasculated, if you will, the church until we just simply want to be traditional. The church, by its inception in the church, by its creation, has always been countercultural. It has never been one that just says, let's get along with the way things are. Jesus would step on the scene, and, and, and John would step on the scene, and immediately he would call out sin, and he would begin to let him know that ain't the way it was supposed to be. The church has always been intended to be powerful. It is always intended to be anointed. It has always been intended to see miracle signs and wonders. Devils run out, and miracles done and people heal and the dead raise and blinded eyes open but greater than that it has always been intended to be a place where people would die to the world and be alive to the kingdom of God it is time for the church to be countercultural and say if we're going to have a tradition the next generation will know that there is a God in heaven How are traditions made? It's easy. You simply have to say this is important or this is unimportant. How many generations does it make to make what tradition? It takes one. Man, you looking sharp. Mom and dad here? Where's mom and dad? Point, point mom and dad out. That's mom right there. I thought mom was about 12 years old. 
Okay, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't written. Okay, you, 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 look, you look a kid. She can tell you prayer is unimportant by simply not doing it. How many generations does it take for a family to be a working family, to be a government-handed-out family? One generation. How many generations did it take to become an alcoholic? One generation. How many generations does it take to become a drug, a drug user, or a drug abuser, or a drug dealer? One generation. All you got to do is show the next generation. Well, this is what we do within our family, and it will become a paradigm that is almost impossible to break. Jesus will be talking, our God will be talking, he would talk about the fact that, 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 that he, he would bring judgment on a, a, a third or either third or fourth generation to them that hate him. Why would God judge multiple generations for something that, is there any birthers in the house? Please, there be no birthers. Any birthers in the house? No birthers in the house. Okay, there's birthers sitting right there. Why would God judge three generations? Because Bertha acts like a knucklehead. He would judge three and four generations. Why? Because generations tend to replicate themselves. Years ago, oh, many years, a couple years, five, about four, I don't know how many years ago, some years ago, some years ago, I was sitting, I, I was at a place I felt like God told me to go back to school and become a therapist. So if you hear some things, some of this is, is statistics from school. If you wonder why I sound weird, that's why. Okay, people go to school, become weird people, and I'm, I'm weird. So I yell at you all the time, and I'm weird too. I'm a weird dude that yells all the time. But in, in that, you, you began to see someone come in, and they, 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 got, they, got, a, they got an issue. And the, the first question you begin to look is you look into their past to find out, is this a, a, a something handed down by a parent? Renewing your mind is simply more than just saying, I'm going to change. It's facilitating change by action. Because prayerlessness and, and weakness within the body of Christ is something that is done to a place that it becomes a norm. I'm going to pray for a month, but then something's going to happen. I'm going to quit praying. You go back to the same way you've been before. Why? Because in your brain, neural pathways are laid that either tells you this is how we do this on a regular basis or this is what we do when we're stressed. 2020 was a place that stressed people to the core. It took those that at one time were worshipers and took them out of that environment. Took those that prayed and took them out of that environment. And the norm was to, and forgive me, I'm just being me. The norm was to praise God in our PJs. 
The norm was just to relax. The norm was, well, you know, we'll just, we'll do something tomorrow. We'll pray tomorrow. We'll read tomorrow. We'll fast tomorrow. And, and, and sadly, it took, it, it, it took a little longer than we thought to get back into the house of God. And suddenly it becomes the norm of who we are. And now we got a generation uh, of young people and even elders uh, that are questioning, do we really need to have uh, high faith within the church? Uh, do we really need to worship God uh, like, like, like we're used to back in the day? Uh, it's to you, I tell you. If we are going to be everything God wants us to be, we got to get back to the way the old generation, they said, you know what? I may be tired, but I'm going to be faithful. I may be weary in body, but I'm going to be in the house of God. I may not want to worship, but I'm going to do it anyhow. It is time that we understand that we need to be a powerful generation in a dark and twisted world. Jesus said, I'm going to judge the third or fourth generation. What, what he was saying is this. What mama and daddy teach you to do, I can't overlook it because they taught you. I got to, over, I got to deal with it because it's sin. If Bertha was a drug dealer and she taught Junior to be a drug dealer, God can't overlook it because Bertha taught her. Sin is sin with God. I, I know, I know society would say, well, that's me. No, oh, no, it's not. Generations are funny things. Reading an article at Forbes and Japan, they were, they were talking about the highest rate of adoption within Japan. It was not children. It was actually graduate age adults. That was intriguing. Why in the world would you adopt a 21-year-old kid? And this is the reason why. For those of you who don't realize, Japan, business is war. It, it, it's, it's how they, they dealt after World War II. Business is war. So they, they intertwine their economy with bigger economies. So that economy can't let their economy fall. I don't know if you realize that, but th there it is. America can't let Japan crumble economically because if it does, we do. And this is what they realize. They said this. They recognize first generation are innovators. Second generation are maintainers. Third generation will let the company degrade because they've gotten used to being blessed, if you will. And they stop pressing for greater things. Can we find it scripturally? Yes. David was an innovator, if you will. Solomon was a maintainer. And by the time his son comes into play, Israel begins to fall. Now as we, a little bit over halfway through 2021, 
with society drifting further and further from the shorelines of Christianity or even, shall I say, even sanity. There is no mooring. There is no anchor. There is no pier. There is nothing to hold on and say, wait a minute, this is wrong. With religiosity suddenly, and forgive me, okay, because according, according to one of my professors, I'm a minority. According to one professor, I'm a man of color that didn't buy into all the white privilege. I told you I wasn't going to be politically correct. With churches now having multiple color flags within their church. With churches now preaching love is love, it doesn't matter what you do, everything's okay. Someone probably told me I'm about to sin. No, there's a preacher telling me he's praying for me. Thank God. With them putting up BLM flags, that was birth, that movement was birthed out of witchcraft. And religiosity as a whole has accepted what society is belching out. Where is the church of the living God that is fighting the forces of darkness? In a dark and twisted place, we need a powerful church of both light and salt that will stand and declare we will not bend, we will not bow, we will not break. There is a way out of your sin. There is a way out of your shame. There is a way out of your brokenness. Come on. I've come to challenge the church of Dakota and say, baby, it's time that we rise up again like we have in the past and begin to fight the forces of darkness and say, we will. We are, we are going to, it will be something that doesn't come after wave after wave, but revival will be a perpetual spirit that dwells within the church. We need a power of a church in a dark and twisted world. I don't got time to, to go into it, but at the end of World War II, that generation was called the greatest generation. We got a generation of latchkey kids. We got a generation Z. We got a generation that have no clue what they are genetically. Supposedly, this coming generation is called Generation Alpha, and, and their, their, their main component is they are more worried about social issues than anything else. Social issues. One guy I like to read from, Jordan Peterson, psychologist out of Canada. He was challenged by, by a young person within a university. And by the way, those of you going to college, just because you, you have education doesn't mean you have knowledge. Some of the dumbest people I know got PhDs behind their name. So if you're looking to that to say, well, you know, we, we, we can't believe in God because Dr. So-and-so said, Dr. So-and-so could be an idiot. 
can argue, can argue from a position of education. But I'll just leave that one for a different day. This young lady challenged him. She said, well, 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 you know, uh, well, how do we make the next, how do we make this generation accept the fact of global warming? Dr. Peterson said this. He said, if you want to do that, you need to work on yourself. We're about transition. I just got to break the social justice mindset. She said, what do you mean work on yourself? He said this. He said, most people that have great issues that don't want to change personally will pick social justice issues to fight for so they don't have to face the reality of who they are. Where does revival and harvest start from? It starts from within the church. Now, this is weird. Not from how many people you bring. Jesus would say this, except a, corn, a, 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 a grain of corn fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. Revival is reviving that which is dead. And by the time you revive that which is dead, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Revival then starts with us simply dying out to the things of the world and dying out to the things we desire and begin born again with the things that God wants. Come on, I'm trying to get someone to understand. Revival is not a hard place to go to. You just got to make up your mind. I'm going to die again. How do we die? We die when we learn how to really pray. We die when we learn how to really fast. We die when we begin to shun the things of the world and say, take this whole world but give me Jesus. That's when it begins to happen. That's when people begin to come. That's when they'll walk off the street. That's when they'll stop you in the restaurant. That's when you hand them a card and they begin to weep. How are we going to be powerful in a dark and twisted world? We got to get back to basics and say, come on, prayer time is important. Fasting week is important. Church, I can't miss one day because that may be the day that everything begins to break. But sadly, like, like Pharaoh, he would say, that there arose a king who knew not Joseph. He didn't know what what he had really done. He didn't know the fact that he was able to eat and able to breathe and able to have was because a young man that went from went from the tent to the pit, from the pit to Potiphar's, from Potiphar's to prison, from the prison to the palace. Does this generation, do they really know what it's like? Dude, I ain't going to have you stand because you'd be taller than me, so 
So I'm like, you can come over here. Come over here. I need a short dude. Come, you help me out. You're looking, you're looking sharp. Come over here. Does this generation know the sounds of intercession? Does this generation know what it's like where worship breaks out and no preaching happens? And people get the Holy Ghost at a song service and they don't even know what's going on. Does this generation know what deliverance looks like? Can this generation tell stories of those that came in high on heroin, but when they left, they were on the highway to heaven? Does this generation know what it sounds like to hear mom and dad praying? in the midnight hour, and they wake up to the sound of weeping and the sound of wailing, feeling the power of God. Oh, this generation, he's in a dark and twisted place. This generation he's dealing with, I know I'm dealing with things society, folks, but if we, if we, don't, if we don't get it, and we don't realize that the facilitator of change has never been the world, it has always been the church. Universities that were formed in America were not formed as liberal arts, but they were actually formed as theological universities. Do you realize that? Has our generation given away society to the liberal mindset of the world? Or have we been people a prayer that would shake the very foundation of nations. Hebrews 11 would tell, the end of Hebrews 11 would tell us that by faith they subdued kingdoms. Entire kingdoms were brought to a place of their knees, not because of another army, but because of the people of faith. His generation would tell him he don't even know what gender he is. His generation, there are teachers trying to put in perversion within, within the educational system and, and tell the parents uh, there is nothing they can do about it. We're about to lose a generation. Because of a church not willing to go to war. Jewish legend of Honai, written supposedly within the 400 years of silence, where the book The Circle Maker was based off of. A city comes to Honai and says, we're about to lose a generation because of a famine. If there has ever been a famine in the world today, today is the day with weak churches, prayerless and worshipless churches. There's about to be a generation lost. But thank God for a man of God named Honai that would walk in the middle of a city and draw a circle right in the middle and said, God, I'm not going to leave until it begins to rain. We need a generation of elders 
elders and young people that will draw a circle in the sand and say, God, we're not getting off of our knees until it begins to rain, until it begins to pour, until changes are beginning to make. Come on, I'm talking to a church that was formed with miracles. You're in a building because of God's power. We need a generation that will stand in the midst and step out on the front of a dark and twisted society and say there is going to be a revival that is going to turn our city upside down. We're going to pray until schools begin to change. We're going to pray until everybody knows if you need a miracle, here is where you need to be. Sadly, after 15 years of, it's all I do. All I do is travel. 15 years. That's it. Don't have a church. Don't have a home. I just got a red sled. And a lot of miles. Hurts rental car. But people say, I ain't going back there. It's just like every other church. One leadership theorist, she said this. She's using science as leadership mindset. She said this. She said, chaos is the facilitator of change. The greater chaos it is, the greater capacity for change within any organization or with any church, or with any country. Why do you think the government's allowing BLM and some of the rest of them to bring a bunch of chaos? Because it causes people to fear, and it allows them to make change even when change is wrong. I don't know. I'm, I'm way out here. I, I wasn't supposed to be out in this field, but here I am. Where are men and women that, that say we're going to be part of the revival that God wants? I'm out here, Elder. You can, you can pull my coattail if you want to. Here we are. Watch this. How do you judge a level of spirituality by your capacity to worship? I thought it was prayer. No, you, you, you can pray and you can cry and ain't nothing happen. Because some prayers aren't really prayers. It's simply a cathartic moment where you just weep until you feel better. But your ability to stand and worship God says a lot about where you are spiritually. Not praise. Praise is different. I mean worship. Watch this. You can praise something you don't worship. Just look at Yelp. They got five-star reviews. But I ain't worshiping it. 
Like I've been to places that have star, five-star reviews. I wouldn't go back to eat there if it was the last place there was to eat. But you'll never worship something that you don't praise. Big difference. So you could test it by how much worship is going on. What does it feel like when they lift their hands? When's the last time someone walked in the door and there was, and I ain't been here for a long time. So I, I looked, I, I, I did, I did, a, I did a, 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 a video cast 2020. Last time I was here, 2018. I don't know anything. Me and your pastor, I went for coffee and it's been a long time. We got to make some coffee. I got some good bird rock coffee. As it gets darker, as it gets more intense, as we're starting to see more people high, as we're starting to see addiction come to pandemic levels, as we're starting to see physical and emotional abuse rising to pandemic levels, as we're starting to see suicides rise to pandemic levels. Where's the church? Where is it? The place that we come early to pray. And Pastor I need to shut it down. Or all of a sudden, it explodes into a place that God comes in. So the church in California. You don't have to believe me if you don't want to. That's fine. You, I, I already told you I was weird. But the Jones... We had people standing out in front of the church at 2 o'clock in the morning doing seances, pointing at the church. Yeah, it really does happen. We had witches walk in, and they were chanting as service would go on. I, I know it sounds weird to some of you all. That's fine. But when it broke... People were driving by, and they'd walk in the back door, and tears would be streaming down their face. All of a sudden, it went from just one or two visitors in three months to people showing up on a regular basis, and not one person. I, I'm not saying you don't have to invite people, but I'm saying no one was inviting them. One particular gentleman was driving by, and he told the pastor this after God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He said, I've lived on this street my entire life. He's about 24 years old. He said, I've lived on this street my entire life, and I've never, ever seen the fact that there was a church here. But I was driving to my church saying, God, I need more. And suddenly I felt something say, look over here. Will you get what you need right there? God filled him with the Holy Ghost. The 
very first service he walked in, he brought his girlfriend and her parents. They got the Holy Ghost when they walked in that night. What am I trying to say? If we will rise up and be a powerful generation in a dark and twisted world, God will do things we've only dreamed about. God will do things we've heard about. God will do things. Why? Because when the church steps out, God will perform mighty works in their midst. So the challenge is, where are we? After 15 years, First Lady, I, I found this out. Revival is organic. It's not something that has to be made up. I know we got kids, so I got to be real careful. You didn't plan to have kids. You just had a relationship. It was God that talked to Solomon, and he's telling him things like, but if I shut up heaven, let there be no rain. But if I send pestilence in the land, we blame way too much on the devil. But if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Then will I hear from heaven. And what? And I will heal their land. A place where there was no harvest suddenly. In fact, you can find in the book of Genesis. He allowed seed to be in the ground. But there was no crop being grown. I'm paraphrasing. Why? Because there was no man to till the ground. Paradigms are a funny thing. Paradigm simply this. Paradigm is simply the way a business normally does business. There are paradigms everywhere. Paradigms in families. Paradigms in school systems. Paradigms in church. Paradigm. All it is is a progression of the way people handle things. Funny thing about paradigm, elder, it's this. A paradigm cannot be changed. A paradigm must be dethroned. Next month on the 12th, I've been married to my lovely wife for 30 years. She, I mean, if we were Catholic, she would be sainted already. Saint Belinda. She would be the saying everyone goes dear god my husband's horrible that would be the one they'd pray to but we're not catholic 
I've been coming in and out of Oklahoma for 30 years. Been preaching in and out of Oklahoma for 26 years. Oklahoma loves tradition. Most gods we worship are gods of what our parents have done. You know what? One of the common things I hear talking to people about churches, well, the way grandma did it, and because I'm not abrasive, I'm not confrontational whatsoever, I'm just a kind, get along, just everything, just, I just, I will just, forgive me, I'll just, I'll pet you to make you feel better. I don't want you to have to change, just, oh, if it was Mexican, pobrecito. Did grandma have a book of actual Bible? Did grandma see miracles happen on a regular basis? Did grandma see people deliver without having to spend 15 hours yelling at the devil to come out? No? Then why is grandma the paradigm of what revival looks like? Sorry, folks, this is all God gave me to preach. And I got some fun messages I want to preach. It really is. It's just fun messages. But here's the problem, sis. And I'm not a, I'm not a doomsayer. I know we're going to, I believe with all my heart. Bible is true. We are going to see a, a revival that sweeps the entire world. But I don't want it to be six or seven generations later. I don't know how long we last. Brother Jones, I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to stay healthy enough. I'm trying to be young enough that when it happens, I don't got to preach it. But dear God, I want to be working the altars till I can't hardly pray for anyone anymore. I'm just falling over, laying hands on people. God's filling them with the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you want that. I want that. I, I, I want to go to Shakota and see saints walking around everywhere we go. I want your pastor to pull out the rest of his hair going, I don't know where to put them. Having discipleship teacher classes three, four days a week just to have enough people so he can send them out to do whatever he does, cell groups, whatever you guys are doing. I want to see people delivered. But the battle is we got a dark and twisted world. But is there a generation that will rise? David would write, this is a generation that seeks thy face. The epistles are right. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And if we really believe we are this chosen generation, are we doing our part to see harvest come to fruition? 
I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask what our prayer is like. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put you on the spot and say, where are you? Where are you, spiritual? I'm not going to. But I will tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I feel a pulling to deeper places. But I feel there are some people that are anchored to traditionalism. It's just me. Maybe it was the wings I had last night. I don't know. It's just me. But God's calling and saying, I want to use you. I want to use you. I want to use you. Forgive me for using my my wife as a as a model, but one of the things I hate doing, stand with me. One of the things I hate doing, especially on Sundays, Sundays are nap days. I don't take naps on a normal basis. I, I don't. Well, if I'm flying, I do. I don't take naps. I don't have that much time. Sundays are nap days. And Sundays are always a day my wife has to go to the grocery store. Doesn't matter if I ask her on, on, on Saturday, do you need to go to the store? No, it don't matter. Sundays, you oh, I forgot. This is a common occurrence, I would say, 70% of the time. I got to pick up one thing. I'll be in five minutes. Do I believe her? No. I parked the car. I put my sunglasses on. I lean back in the chair, and I go to sleep. Why? Because it'll be 20 minutes if more or, or more. This is what always said. Sorry, babe. I was walking down whatever aisle. And someone stopped me and asked me if I was Christian. And then begins to tell me their life story and ask me to pray. You know what that is? For, forgive me for what I'm about to do. That's the Holy Ghost reaching out and saying, hey, you don't have to live in that environment. It's the Holy Ghost reaching and saying, come on, if you need something, you don't have to live in the abuse any longer. You don't have to live in the brokenness any longer. You don't have to live in your pain any longer. There is a way out. Being a powerful generation in a dark and twisted world. You could almost hear the drumbeat. here the drumbeat to the mark of the beast you can almost hear the drumbeat of churches having to go underground 
I'm not, I'm not a doomsayer, folks. I'm not. But you see it building. Canada's already going in, shutting churches completely down. Churches in Georgia are already requiring, if you don't have a vaccine passport, you can't come to church. Oh, the groundwork is set. Middle America says it's not going to come here. No, it's, it's coming. And as a storm, clouds gather and the lightning crackles and the waves, the winds begin to blow. It's the perfect time for the church to have revival. I know it sounds strange, but see, rain was always a sign of blessing, not curse. And so as it rains, it actually waters the ground. So the darker and stormier it gets in the world, the greater the harvest for the church. So I really wish I'd had you run the aisles, but here we are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Where is a powerful generation in a dark and twisted world? I'm going to open these altars right now and ask you, can we come and realign ourselves? I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's sweeping in here. Come on, if you, maybe, maybe you've allowed some things to drift. Come on, maybe you've allowed someone else to carry the load. I, I, I'm asking you right now. Come on, can, can you find a place and begin to pray again? And say, God, in this season, I'm going to be part of the revival you have. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Come on, can you find a place to kneel? Can you find a place to intercede again? Come on, can you find a place to bend that knee? Come on, come on, let's, let's do it like we used to back in the day. I, I'm going to find a place until I get a hold of God. I, I'm not coming for a few seconds. I'm coming to facilitate change. I, I'm not coming just to, just to cry it out. I'm, I'm going until something begins to shake. Come on, we've already been given the promise. Uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Uh, it's time for the church uh, to begin to prevail as well as travail again. Come on, let's pray. Come on, I'm leaving it to you now. I'm done. I'm leaving it to you now. Where are our worshipers? Where are the intercessors? Come on, we got to be that generation that rises up and intercedes in the spirit realm until things begin to break, until things are beginning to be loosed.
everyone to stand with me right now. I'm not trying to cut ultra cold short. But I am coming after an old paradigm. You're part of this church. I'm asking you to quickly make your way around the front. Quickly make your way around the front. For those of our esteemed guests, please bear with this old preacher. Incredible church, incredible people, incredible pastor. I do not come to throw stones. The 
world has done, society has done a masterful job at trying to change the way we view church. A study was done during 2020 towards the end of it and it's it's some it's 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 this massive number that they say that the churches will never open reopen again that they are they are they are theorizing that upwards of like 65% of churches will never open the doors again so the only thing that can break through Jesus would say in the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's not that hell's charging the church. It should always be that church is saying, give me back. In fact, it's to Abraham's seed. Jesus would say this after, after the binding of Isaac. Jesus, or God would say this, and he said, thy seed shall possess, I'm paraphrasing, shall possess the gates of the, their enemies. What was he saying? He's saying yours. You will always be on the offensive, not the defensive. The world is in a masterful job of putting the church into a place of defense, not offense. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers, darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take on the whole armor of God. Folks, we, we've, we, we forgot the fact the New Testament, it's rife with warfare imagery. Endure hardness as a good soldier. So our battle is waged not by inviting people, that's, though that's part of it. Our battle is waged not by great music, though you have it. Our battle is waged not by programs because programs without intercessors will simply necessitate new programs and never see the fulfillment of what you desire. See, our battle is waged. You know it. You, you, you know. You've been there. It's waged on your knees. If you're an elder, it's also waged on a rocking chair, however. But it's waged in prayer. I feel the break right there. I feel the break right there. If you're able, grab the hand of someone next to you. I'm not a mean dude. house shall be called a house of prayer.
Many of you know my wife's family. Please, I don't mean this negative whatsoever. They didn't go to university. And yet out of four children, three of them are involved in ministry. One pastor's in the town next to you. One pastor's in Alice, Texas. One puts up with me as I travel all over the country. I was talking to my wife. I said, what, what, is, what is one of the things you remember growing up and are thankful for? This is what she said, Elder. She said, I remember waking up early in the morning and hearing my father pray. He, he would pray. They have a second story. He would pray in the hallway going up. I don't, know if he re- I don't know if he realized it echoed in there or just that's where he chose to build his altar. So, but he'd wake me up around 4 in the morning every morning as I'd hear him begin to pray over his children. So your children will model what you do in private. And folks, revival doesn't start in the building. Revival starts in the home. So two things I want us to pray over as I'm about to close. I want us to begin to pray that our house, again, would be a house of prayer. But then remember that the church is the extension of the home, so the church has to be a house of prayer. I want us to pray for the home. I want us to pray that there will be harvest within the church. And then I want us to pray that God will begin to release backsliders and reveal the hungry and thirsty within our city. Come on, let's begin to pray right now. Come on. Let's start within the home. Come on, pray, pray. Come on, grab your children, pray. No, 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 come on, folks. I want us to really begin to pray. That's it, come on. I really, let's begin to push. Come on, let our homes be a place of prayer, God. God, as they drive by, let the fire begin to fall. God, let it drift out of our homes to our neighbors, God. Let our neighbors feel the change. Let it feel the hunger. Oh, God, let our children hear what it's like as when they walk into the schools, the lies of the adversary cannot fall in their ears but will fall to the ground and trampled underfoot. They would recognize truth from lie, Lord God, that they would be the next generation that arises and sees revival. God within our homes, lay an anointing on our kids to be ministers and teachers and Bible study, God. God, minister to them in this hour. Come on, let's pray for the church right now. God, as we walk in, that there would be a draw to prayer, God. As you draw us in the midnight hour, as you draw us in the early morning hours to a place of prayer, so let it be within the house. Let it be 
happening within the church. Let it be, God, as we come in, we would fellowship after, but we would feel the draw to prayer. God, as visitors come in and guests come in, they would feel the power of the Holy Ghost. God, let it be easy to receive a miracle here. Let it be easy to receive the Holy Ghost here. Let it be easy for conviction to fall. Let it be easy for change to be done. God, let it be within this house. Let it be a beacon of light to our community. Come on. Come on. Can we begin to pray? Come on. Bind with that neighbor right now. Intercede for your city. Let this be a place of salt and light. Let this be a beacon of hope as they drive by. Let them feel the power of the Holy Ghost, God. Will you force back the clouds of darkness over our city and let there be a revival, God, of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Draw the backslider off of the barstool, God. Draw the backslider from wherever they're at, God. Let them recognize it's time to come home. Come on, can you really pray? Can you really pray? Can you really pray? thing I want all our men come stand right here all our men man don't get mad at me love you all society's done a wonderful job at demasculating men marginalizing men Sadly, men, we've allowed ladies to lead. Not that they can't. No, 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 no. Not they can't. So the most powerful people I know are ladies. But God chose men. 
authority. And, and, and sadly, and sadly, uh, here, help me, God. Help me, Jesus. Sadly, the reason why the spirit of Jezebel can run in, can rampant in a church, not the lady's fault, it's men's fault. The spirit of Jezebel always needs a weak man. We need Jehu's that would rise up about here. But Jehu needs to understand why he's overthrowing some things. Jehu's a paradox. Jehu knew what he was against, but not what he's for. Which then opens up another door for another spirit to come in. Men, we should lead by example. Strong and silent type. It's a mess. Your kids should hear you pray. Your kids should hear you support the man of God. See, it's amazing to me back in our day. You're not old enough, but back in my day, there was no question about, are we going to church? Is the church door open? We're there. So back, back in my day, it was like, we got revival. See, we don't do it anymore. We have five, five days a week. Y'all don't, we don't do it no more. We, we're, well, we're, people are busy. We were busy too. So we just didn't play ball. We didn't go outside and play. We did church. We, we did homework because we were going to be at church. And it's amazing that we stayed in church. We can make allowances for our kids because we don't want them to be, well, I don't want them to be tired. Well, dear God. And we lose them because, see, church is second importance to education. Not knocking it. I'm, I'm working on multiple degrees. I'm not knocking it. But when church holds preeminence, that generation will rise and say it's, it's time for revival. So this is, this is, this is it. This is it. I, I walked to the back and I felt this. Uh, this is it. Gentlemen, grab the hand of the person next to you. Talking to three men right now. You will let God deal with that old hurt. You will let him in to deal with the hurt. In fact, I can see you sitting in your recliner weeping. If you will let God deal with that hurt, not only will you get over it, but some of the hurt within right, right now, right now within your family, right now some of the issues within your family will be resolved. In fact, I'll say if you will begin the process right now within three months, you, will, you, won't, you won't even recognize yourself. And within a year and a half, some of the schism within the family will be resolved. Men, we need to lead. We're asking you here first, we'll begin to pray for yourself, then pray for your neighbor. And then begin to say, God, help us follow the men of God to the vision you have given him. Come on, let's begin to pray. Ladies, 
Can you lift your hand, extend your hand towards your husbands and towards these men right now? And let's begin to pray. Come on, I need to, come on, men, I need you to lift your voice. Come on, men, I need you to lift your voice right now. Come on, pray that God would help you lead. Pray that you would lead in prayer and you would lead in praise. Come on, pray you would lead in faithfulness. Come on, begin to lift your voice and pray. Come on, I know it's uncomfortable, but this is something we got to overthrow. Come on, we're going to be the ones out there leading in prayer. We're going to be the ones out there leading in praise. We're going to be the ones out there leading in faithfulness. Come on, ladies. Come on, press. Come on now, begin to pray with your pastor right now that God would bind you together and there would be a unity within this place that will begin to help usher in the promises that God would have. Come on, lift your voice. That's it, lift your voice. Never burn up. Make me a house of prayer. 